It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available on iHeartRadio every morning and also on Spotify and Apple. And of course, wherever you get your podcast from on this Monday morning, which is back with us, it is rolled around. And a lot of people, of course, starting back at work for the first time this year, it is the 9th day of January for 2023 and if you are starting back hope you've had a relaxing break and made the most of it with some of the downtime to re-energize and charge up the body ready to attack another working year because for a lot of people this is going to be it this is going to be the only break now until the end of 2023 so lock in here we go and coming up this morning we are heading back down into the time tunnel to August of last year when we caught up with Paul Ryan, the senior economist from PropTrack, to look at the sort of money that vendors had made after PropTrack did a deep dive into the huge profits that homeowners were making. So it's an interesting snapshot look at what was achieved with property prices last year. And as mentioned, today is January the 9th. If you're celebrating your birthday, happy birthday, many happy returns. You're sharing your birthday with Kate Middleton, of course, the Duchess of Cambridge. Uh, She is turning 40 today. At the other end of the spectrum, Jimmy Page, English guitarist and songwriter for Led Zeppelin. He is turning 78. Joan Byers, the American singer, songwriter, activist. Uh, She is turning 81. And Richard Nixon would have been celebrating his birthday today. He was uh, born back uh, in 1913 and it was just three years after Richard Nixon's birth that the Battle of Gallipoli ended and that happened in 1916. Informing you every morning from 6.30 with the latest real estate property news seven days a week only on The Real Estate Breakfast. It's the main centre forecast with PRD, selling smarter every day. All right, let's head around the country and have a look at your weather on this Monday morning. First, we go to Sydney. Good morning to you. Expecting a sunny, warm day, a high of 27. In Melbourne today, another fine day. 25 is your forecast high. Brisbane, a little bit of cloud, but it should be mainly dry with 32. And keep the liquids up in Perth today. It's going to be sunny and hot with the mercury reaching 37 degrees. We are just as addicted to property as you are. Every weekday morning from 6.30. Well, rapid exceptional price growth over the past two years have seen vendors make small fortunes and in many cases a king's ransom and no one knew that a pandemic would result in the market acting like it was on steel. It's a market that no one could have predicted and in this current market even sellers over recent months back in August of last year were not selling properties at a loss. We spoke uh, last year back in August to Paul Ryan, the senior economist from PropTrack. Thank you very much and likewise, good morning. 
So people have been making over $1 million in profit, $900,000, $800,000. Your recent report looked at a profit breakdown from March of this year to July of this year. So let's start with breaking down some of those areas that really turbocharge the vendor's bank balance. Yeah, absolutely. So we've looked at people that have sold properties uh, from March to July this year, which is since interest rates started to increase, to look at you know who are these sellers, how much profit are they making, how long have they held their properties for. The results were quite striking. So particularly in, in regions to the north of Sydney, places like Pitwater and Manly and Kooringai, we saw people making the, the typical seller over that period, that includes houses and unit sales, was was over a million dollars in Pitwater and Manly and, and $830,000 in the Kurungai region of Sydney. These regions were kind of typical of that lifestyle shift that we saw at the start of the pandemic. So we saw the northern beaches and north of Sydney, as well as um, places like the north of New South Wales coast and places like Noosa in Queensland. Partly that's off the back of those big price gains since the pandemic started, but also it's because these regions are, are really expensive to start with. So the decrease in yields that have pushed prices up have had a bigger effect in these regions. Yeah, and if you look at places like Shoalhaven, Hawkesbury and Richmond, I mean, these places are not inner suburbs of Sydney. What did that tell you in your reports? Apart from the obvious, there's been a lot of people moving around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's been the overwhelming thing that we've seen since the pandemic started are these these big preference shifts among um, home buyers. So as I said, towards lifestyle locations, beachside places, locations with kind of these this like nature amenity, as well as just bigger homes in general. We've seen um, the, the premium for larger homes over smaller homes has increased to kind of the biggest gap that we've seen on record since the pandemic. So people are really valuing both larger homes, you know, things like spaces for home offices have, have driven a lot of that, as well as bigger yards and just locations that are more appealing in general. And so that's affected markets all across the country, but in particular, those kind of northern New South Wales, southern highlands, um, Shoalhaven type regions have definitely been beneficial of those trends. Okay, so those are the larger properties. As you say, the home office has really made a significant dent towards those property prices going up. But when you look at the, the units, they don't fear as well, do they? Yeah, that's the other side of that same coin since the start of the pandemic is that smaller dwellings and units have performed relatively worse than houses. And um, it might surprise some people that generally houses and units over recent years have seen pretty similar capital appreciation. Um, but that certainly hasn't been the case since the start of 2020. We've seen, um, you know, over the year to July, we've seen houses up 9%. We've seen units up only 4% over the year. So that's been a big trend throughout the pandemic period is that units have underperformed and that's that's partly their location. So inner city areas have done relatively poorly compared with peripheral parts of cities and compared with regional parts of the country. What about properties, because this really featured in your report, it was a bit of a standout, properties held for six to eight years are overrepresented in recent sales. So tell us a little bit about that aspect of your report. Yeah, so I think it was interesting to look at this because I think there's a bit of a narrative that since interest rates have increased and lockdowns have ended, a lot of the people that kind of made these tree or sea changes now are selling up and kind of moving back to cities. And and that's not 
what we're seeing in the data at all. So we're not seeing more people that's, that bought in the past kind of one or two years, people that bought in the pandemic selling now. What we're seeing is the people that have sold over the past uh, five months have generally been people that bought well before the pandemic. So as you say, five, six, seven, eight years ago, um, people that have benefited from those that big capital appreciation that have increased their equity over, over that period. And your report showed the typical profit for sellers is $260,000. Now, that is twice the level achieved by sellers prior to the pandemic. So tell us what stood out for you in that area. Yes, it's quite remarkable, isn't it? So sellers, the typical seller, so um, half of sellers made more than $260,000. And that's twice the level we saw just in the, in the two years before the pandemic. And it's a combination of the really strong price growth we've seen throughout the pandemic. So for instance, 2021 was the third fastest episode of price growth in Australia's history, as well as those longer holding periods. So we've got sellers now that have had their properties for a bit longer than sellers that were selling um, in that previous period. And I noticed that you say in your report with prices set to fall over the coming period, the ability for homeowners to sell at a profit will be a key factor in who decides to upgrade or invest in property over the coming period. So far this year, profits have been strong, you say. It would take significant price falls beyond what you are expecting from here to put any sort of a dent into these results for sellers this year. So sellers are really going to love hearing that from you, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. I think the narrative around the property market has shifted and and it's become quite negative now that we're seeing price falls in the majority of regions across the country. But the context of these price falls is that markets are still up something like 30% on pre-pandemic levels. Like anyone who has a property or bought before the pandemic is in a really strong position. And we're, we're seeing that all across the market. So we're seeing really strong listings activity, which I think is being driven by those huge equity gains that people are using to upgrade. And, you know, our forecasts for the rest of the year are for prices to fall um, nationally, somewhere in the range of 2 to 5%. You know, it, it'll take much bigger falls than that to erode the kind of $260,000 typical profit that we've seen for, for recent sellers. And before I let you go there, Paul, I just want to come back to that uh, comment where some people might say, oh, yeah, I knew that this was going to happen in the market. Do you know of anybody that claimed that? I've I've heard people claim it. Um, (laughs) I mean, I've been... been, you know, looking at the property market for several years now, it's very, very difficult to forecast. I wouldn't claim to be able to do, to be able to forecast the market with any great accuracy. I think what's important is to think about the fundamentals of the property market. And in the short term, the thing that's driven kind of this big boom and now these um, price falls has been interest rates and borrowing costs. But in the longer term, the big run-up in housing prices that we've seen over the past 30 years has been substantially due to big increases in demand from you know, immigration and fundamentally really strong income growth. The Australian economy has performed exceptionally well. I mean, everyone's forecast for the Australian economy going forward is very positive. So housing continues to look in a really solid position from here. All right, well, we'll leave it there. Thanks uh, so much for coming on to the Real Estate Podcast this morning. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast.